cannot disappear. Maybe hit him high, but what else could he do? He can't disappear. In a slow motion, it looks a little bit bad. But accidents happen. They do. He's done his knees. Yeah, he's he's done his well, this is incredible. Now will come the magic sponge. There it is. No scissors, no tape. Build Just it. a dirty old sponge and it's worked. The sponge could wipe out a pandemic. It could cure us all. Welcome back to the Magic Sponge Podcast, the miracle cure for all your rugby league injury issues. I'm Brian Sini, the guy behind NRL Physio and all the wonderful things you see on social media. We are a night late, apologies, but we had some pretty big birthdays yesterday. My lovely daughter's fourth, and James, your lovely wife, Felicity, what, 23rd, 24th, you know, around that? That's what she looks anyway. Yeah, straight into mid-20s for my darling <laughs> wife. We had a we good day out at... Um, we went out for a long lunch, a very long lunch. Actually, we got lucky. We coordinated um, two kids going out to the grandparents, respectively, and then we had a lunch from um, at Bar Alto, which is at the Brisbane Powerhouse, for those oh, yeah. who don't know. Um, kicked off there at 12, and I think we eventually sort of Ubered home at about 5.30. Um, pretty Jeez, loaded up loose. after that one. It was a really, yeah, yeah really good lunch, wild. really good day. Had a great time. So good, good all around. Yeah, good, mate. Uh, it's good to have you back. You've also been up to Hamilton Island. I think there's a lot going on in our lives at the moment. I'm in the middle of currently a two-week-long house move. So I, my my lovely wife has gone over to the new house to clean it and do all these things. I've got two baby monitors sitting in front of me. You've just flown in. You've got, you know, look, we're committed to the cause is what I'm getting at here. Like, we just love talking about footy and injuries, right? Absolutely. We're certainly committed, Brian. I would say about Hamilton Island, the highlight was – spending the early Wednesday evening at the pub up there at Hamo, and there was a fair bit of Queensland paraphernalia kicking around. Plenty of arrogant blues energy, which didn't last oh, very wow. long, as, as we found it on Wednesday. There was quite a lot of interstate um, chat. I was wearing a Queensland jersey, and I was getting lipped pretty hard by a fair few New South Wales supporters, which was very good fun, and I quite enjoyed. But, yeah, it was, it was a good, good place to be there for the um, famous Maroons victory on the Wednesday night just been. Mate, I didn't miss you much on the pod last week because, like, I obviously do the lion's share of the carries around here, but I did miss you that we couldn't sit here and gloat about a wonderful Queensland victory. It was a bit sad, but, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it up there at home, mate. It was really good. Good to yeah, see. It's good, mate. All right, guys, as always, you know why you're here. We're going to talk about the injuries. We're going to talk about how it relates to Supercoach, how it relates to NRL fantasy, um, opportunities, edges that you can get in around injuries, in around, yeah, all the fantasy stuff. If you find yourself liking this content, head on over to patreon.com slash Physio. That's where all the good stuff is. But otherwise, no further ado, let's get into the injuries from Origin 2 and Round 17. I don't know exactly what he's done. I would have thought it was an ankle, but I, I'm just guessing. He shouldn't be out for a long period of time. I mean, I'm, I'm no doctor. We have to wait for the scans, obviously, but that'd be more positive than, than negative. Round 17 plus a bit of an Origin wraparound as well, Brian. We'll go to Origin straight off the bat because... Very interesting to me from the outside looking in about Latrell Mitchell with that calf injury. I'd really value um, you giving us a bit of an update on what you think about that because um, that was initially reported as a fairly insignificant injury, which is sort of seeming to linger on and on and on and on, as we know calves can. And then the other news is friend of the show, favourite of the show, um, our pre-season prediction to have a fantastic year, which hasn't really sort of gone very well for us. But Tommy Turbo with a pec tear, which really curtailed New South Wales' chances early. I think as soon as you or I saw that happen, we both sort of, I think we just both got on the text and said, oh, what a, what a shame for Tommy Turbo. 
But, but deep down, I was like, well, there's no way we're losing now from a Queensland point of view. So it was sort of a bit of a double-edged sword from that point of view. Um, only other one from Origin was from the women's Origin with um, Yasmin Clydesdale had a ankle or knee injury, which was from that um, that sort of hip drop mechanism type tackle as well. Do you want to give us an update from the men's and women's Origin players there? Yeah, so I'll start with Latrell. I think that's a really interesting one. Like, we've obviously got a lot of stuff wrong on the podcast and in predictions this year. I think we both talked up Adam Dewey is a great buy. That hasn't worked out so well. Obviously, Tommy Turbo as well. But a few things that we do get right is talking like, I know when Latrell, you know, first suffered that calf injury, we were both pretty big, you know, get on the cell, like calves are notorious for lingering, all that kind of stuff. Um, that's worked out really, really well. We've had other things like Kalen Ponga and James Tedesco with their concussions and those kind of things. But I think Latrell with his calf here, this could not be more textbook for what I talk about every time when I talk about calf calf injuries and I think Demetrio he came out and described it as like it can scan like calf injuries can scan quite minor but just not quite like respond to rehab how you would like and that that's pretty much exactly what I'm talking about is that you can have like what effectively looks like a grade one calf and you can still be there six seven weeks down the track still dealing with soreness with lingering tightness all that kind of stuff I, I look I do have a suspicion that this latest kind of we're ruling him out to round 20. I would say it's another one of those situations where I reckon if there was a grand final like this weekend, Latrell would probably play. But I think with the fact that it was like stop-start before Origin 1, and then he came back, didn't play for the Rabbitohs, but then like, you know, tried to get up for for Origin 2 and, you know, was in and out of Rabbitohs, like Rabbitohs training, but then to Origin camp and all that kind of stuff. I reckon I've got the feeling that South just kind of went, nut nah, where done with this the series is you know obviously not live anymore so we're not letting him go to and fro and all that kind of stuff we're just going to rule him out you know for the next three weeks so that there's no chance of origin he's just in-house in our systems we're going to get him right and get him right for round 20 so I, I do feel a little bit better about it now that they've kind of just ruled him out for two or three weeks and said look he's not going to be back till round yeah I think like round 2021 kind of yeah, range. 21 they've got the buy round 20 yeah, yeah there you go so round 21 like that that gives him heaps of time like look like calves can linger and all that kind of stuff and and i spoke about on the pod last week about how you know latrell was carrying a little bit heavy or heading into the you know the year a little bit heavy which probably can contribute to those calf injuries lingering around but surely i'm thinking with three to four weeks to kind of get him right i think by round 21 you can kind of expect like, you know, a new and improved Latrell, a bit like what he came back sort of towards the end of last year um, and absolutely killed it. Like, I, I'm pretty confident in him sort of from that round 21 onwards because the performance implications aren't really all that high. You'd expect if he's fit and he's firing, he's good to go. It's more there is probably an increased risk of re-injury beyond the normal level for calves just because of how long he dealt with it. Um, says that there might be some impairments there. I mean, how are you approaching him from a super coach perspective? I know we've got a draft question later, but even from a classic like perspective, like would you buy him sort of round 21 straight off the bat or would you sort of wait a week or two? There's not many weeks left in the season, I guess, after that. And he does yeah. have another buy late, like round 26 as well. 
Yeah, you're right. So I would be looking to get him in straight up in round 21. I think they've got Broncos, West Tigers, Sharks, Dragons, Knights, by Roosters. So mm. it's not a bad draw. And I think the bunnies go as the trail goes. I think he, if he's fit, you want him in your team yeah. in any way. You can, you can make it happen. So I would be pretty happy to pull the trigger there, to be honest, Brian. I was just on your, your point about conditioning, just casting my mind back to Josh Schuster earlier in the year. Mm. He was a calf injury that led to a pretty significant lack of conditioning as well, wasn't it? Was that something that was um, – was that the situation early in the year with Schuster? 100%. Yeah, exactly, exactly the yeah. same thing. And Schuster was, car- like, you know, carrying a bit of weight as well by what we saw in those photos. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's an interesting sort of, um, I guess, parallel there that may will be the case too that may explain why it's lingering on a little bit longer. What about Tommy Turbo with the update down on the peg tier? I think it's season confirmed over for, for Tommy yeah. Turbovich like once I think, again. Like I think it's another one of those situations where like he could be back in 10 weeks. Like we've seen guys with pecs even this season, um, you know, come back around that 10-week mark. But <laughs> the conspiracy theorist in me, uh, like they, he needs to be out for twelve weeks for Manly to get the salary cap dispensation for, um, uh, yeah. So, uh, like, I would say he's just going to be out, and they've already been approved for that, so he can't come back in twelve weeks. Is the way I understand. Oh well, when I say he can't come back in twelve weeks, we've seen this year how the NRL guidelines can be bent at different times for different things. So, but I would like usually looking at 10 to 14 weeks uh, for that kind of injury. Um, Like a bit of a discussion I wanted to have with you here, because I know I'm getting heaps of questions about it and I know how I feel about it, but you know, the usual, and we have the discussion every time, you know, what does this mean for Tommy, Tommy Turbo? Where does he go from here? All that kind of stuff. Like, I guess my sort of take on it is it's a pec tear. He's had a pec tear in the past. That means that inherently he is at an increased risk of pec tears moving into the future, even though it is the other side. The risk factors that were there to contribute to his pec tear on the other side in the first place still exist for a pec tear on the other side. So, look, I think there's that component of it, but there's also the component that it's just bad luck, like pec tears happen to guys all the time. So it is a footy injury. It's a like a traumatic contact injury, so they can happen at any time. So I, I would say he was at an increased risk of a pec tear, but a pec tear is not going to end his career. Like a, a pec tear isn't an injury that carries long-term implications or concerns into the future. He's actually probably almost less likely to do it once he's got it repaired than probably prior to that because the the you know the re-rupture rates for pec tears after surgery is like below 2 or 3%. Like it's really really low. So he'll be in a really good spot for it. Like I, my biggest thing is like I'm confident in him from that perspective. I think something that and why I wanted to really get your opinion on because I know you love going down the uh, Anthony Seabold rabbit hole here. But oh, do I, I want? <laughs> this is this is probably the first season for me. And I've like, and we've spoken off air and heard some pretty gnarly things about how he's been managed, particularly around his hamstring strains in the past, and some weird and wonderful, you know, techniques that were used and and, and advice that was given. But this is probably the first year where I had times where I was like, he just does not look good. Like, I think even when in the past he's had his hammies and stuff like that, when he's come back, he's looked really, really good and he's looked like the turbo that 
I've always seen and stuff like that. And I know he had the back spasms and the hip pointer and that can contribute. But I just felt like this year, obviously the guy who was managing his hamstrings prior to that and had it really, really good, like he had that really specific warm-up program and all that kind of stuff, that specific um, you know support stuff guy left Manly. And I just felt like there were times, like he put up some good, Super coach scores and those kind of things. But to the eye test, he probably had a good game against the Storm that, that got me to buy back in. Like, I was really into him there. But I just had times where I was like, oh, he just doesn't look great. And so from somebody who, you know, is happy to talk about Anthony Seabold and his management of players, like, how are you feeling about Turbo moving forward? Well, I think the Manly fans are getting a taste of the Seabold experience now with a few of their recent signings, which yeah. on the surface don't look fantastic, do they? But I guess more specifically about Tom Trevojevich, it's a very good question. I, how do I feel about him moving forward? It's so hard because I don't know enough detail about how he's been managed and what that sort of looks like. There's been, it's, it's been a hard one to figure out, Brian, because like you said, some weeks he's looked very, very good. Yeah. Some weeks hasn't looked so good. I, I don't know if that's just Tom being Tom and playing through things. I don't know what's happening behind closed doors there because you're right, the Melbourne game, he was absolutely flying. The Raiders game, which cemented his spot for Origin 1, I think, was um, when he played on the Sunday just before the team was named. He was the best player on the field yeah. again. So I guess the, the challenge that's going to be facing him and Manly is he has had significant soft tissue injuries for quite a few years consecutively now, which has derailed their seasons. What, what do you do about him moving forward? Is he someone who has, like, you know, to use the inverted commas term, like a sunk cost where yeah. you just look at the injury history and you say, well, given everything that's happened, we're going to go a different direction and, you know, restart things or blow things up. I think Manly are in for a world of hurt in the in the years coming up just because of the more recent signings they've had and how their salary cap's going to shape up with um a couple of those players that they've bought in. And that's happened with Seabold at the Broncos as well. He had good players in, in-house. He had good young players that he overlooked for other veteran players, which yeah. we had some questions over them, like Brody Croft was the analogy that yeah. I would sort of bring up to people that sort of have looked at the signing of Luke Brooks today. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's a situation that for standard next year, I probably don't want to have a look at. If it's draft, it's going to really – test my resolve to see him drop into probably like the, the mid late twos or yeah. something like that. I think that's pretty pretty conservative to start with, but it, it will probably depend on yeah, a lot of things when um when next year rolls around and what that what what that club looks like. But it looks like they're in um two quite regularly guru, they're in absolute bits at the moment at Manly. Yeah, I think uh, draft-wise, it'll take a lot for me to not draft him in round one, as per usual, I'm sure. By the time next season rolls around, I'll be right up there and about him. But yeah, I, I just think, like, peck rupture-wise, that doesn't really concern me in the long run. Like, it's obviously killer for Manly. Um, but yeah, moving forward, it doesn't... Like, because he suffered this peck rupture, it doesn't increase my worry about him in the future, which is, you know, I, I know people are probably sick about me saying that about certain things, but if he if he dislocated his shoulder again and kind of, you know, needed another shoulder reco or something like that, even an ACL reco, you know, those kind of things, they probably concern me more. Um, whereas, yeah, a pec rupture sort of, yeah, it's, it's neither here nor there. And then, um, yeah, I guess to close off on origin, Yasmin Clydesdale with the, yeah, it was a bit of a nasty 
sort of uh, ankle knee injury. There hasn't been much um, said about that. I think she was in a knee brace after the game, so potentially like that MCL, hopefully not ACL or anything significant like that, but hopefully we'll get something come out in the next couple of weeks sort of heading into the NRLW, which I'm keen to get started. Very true, Brian. We'll move on to the first game of the NRL round there where the Warriors absolutely dusted up the Dragons. Only injury concern we have to talk about is Jack Bird with a knee concern. Didn't look good the other night, Jack Bird. I don't know if you caught much of the game, Brian, but mm. his explosive movement, lateral movement wasn't looking fantastic, was it? Oh, mate. It's, you know, that's another one that, you know, I think we were bang on about uh, pretty much from when we first heard it. I, I have heard sort of in the whisperies, whisperings and the mumblings and those kind of things that he, they think he's dealing with like a popliteus or like tendonitis kind of thing in his knee. Now, popliteus is at the back of the knee, um, sort of in that, you know, I guess knee knee crease or knee pit sort of at the back of your knee, a little muscle that sits in there. Um, I actually find a lot of, and actually funnily enough, um, one of the physios who works with me recently had some rank meniscus tears and they had to pull some bits of uh, floating meniscus and cartilage and stuff like that out of his popliteus. So I actually find that like those meniscus tears and popliteus issues kind of go hand in hand, which he did have that meniscus tear earlier in the year. He's had the ACL injuries in the past with meniscus concerns as well. So there's just a lot going on with Jack Bird and his knee. I, I think if you have not jumped off by now, you need to jump off. If you were even thinking of like buying him for, because I think they cover the next buy, you just do not. Like, like even if he comes back and kills it for two or three weeks, I still wouldn't be tempted because he could kill it for two or three weeks and then his knee flares up again. This is one that I'm just well off Jack Bird until possibly next season, um, and you need to have a full off season where no knee concerns, absolutely flying before I even considered him. Would you kind of agree with that summation? Yeah, exactly the same. I was just going to say from the eye test, um, looks like he's carrying a few around the midriff as well. Yeah. Jack Bird did the old skin tight jersey wasn't doing him too many favors the other night, which is the first time I've sort of noticed that on him. He's not someone who's you know notoriously, I, I suppose, someone who's an absolute um, physical specimen from a top. Um, from a chest and shoulders point of view, but he just didn't look like he was um, at his very fittest the other day. For the physio nerds who are listening to this one as well, Brian, I guess it's worth reminding yourself with popliteus, it does have an insertion into the posterior horn and the lateral meniscus, so that can be the reason why those things do go hand in hand there as well. So it's always worth, you know, thinking if you're suspicious about, you know, potentially, especially if you get an MR that says posterior horn, lateral meniscus tear, sometimes that irritation on that sort of tibial attachment or popliteus could be something that needs to be sort of optimised as well, hey? Mate, this is why I get you on for this nerd stuff. You're, you know, I I know I look like I'm uh, really good with it, uh, posting all this stuff on social media, but this is James's bread and butter. This is, I love it. It's good stuff, mate. Yeah, that's how I just scraped through anatomy in first year, <laughs> just with, with knowledge like that for your senior. Fours open doors, mate. How good. <laughs> well, yeah, 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 especially when you're plagiarising from the person beside you in the um, spotter exams and things like that. Anyway, Dolphins versus the Eels was the next game, Brian. So Connolly Lemurlu, knees slash shoulder concern here, Brian. Sorry, I don't have much more information to go off apart from that. Jeremy Marshall King is another rehash on this segment where we are giving a bit of an update about his AC joint injury, which he's been nursing through for the last few weeks. And another one, Branko Lee, favourite of the show, <laughs> with a lower leg concern, which is a soft tissue injury as well for Branko. Let's go with Branko O'Brien. 
Do you want to just um, control C, control V, uh, or mate, what you with him and use Jesus. in Jesus, can we? I saw some report. Like I love Branko, like Origin legend Branko, like him and Edric. But they're both apparently Edric's injured as well. I saw a video from um, Dolphins training the other day that they're both in the rehab group. So. Probably Lee Cousins, mate. I don't know what's going on up there. Look, I, I did see some video, and I thought it was a high ankle sprain initially, but the the, the um, Dolphins are adamant that it's a calf issue again. So I don't know. There's some weird stuff going on up there. Like, he is really relevant, and the reason I keep putting him on the run sheet is that, like, people want to know, is Val Tafare going to have, like, an extended run? Whether Branko's fit or not, Val Tafare, like, I'm biased, right? But surely 99% of people out there agree. He deserves... Deserves an extended run regardless of whether Branko's fit or not. But Wayne just seems to love Branko. So I'd love, I personally think that he's dealing with some sort of high ankle sprain or some sort of ankle sprain there. And he, he may be out for a few weeks. I, I could be wrong there, but that's kind of what my gut says is that Val will get at least a run over the next two to three weeks. So I'm definitely eyeing him off um, this week potentially as like a cheapy downgrade. Uh, Jeremy Marshall King, same old thing with the AC joint. I think if you're even considering buying him, do not do it. This is something that will linger um, for at least another, you know, two to three weeks now. Um, he's had a few weeks off, but yeah, I just wouldn't touch that. And the only reason, Connolly Lemuelu, I just had a question in the Patreon. Apparently, um, TK from Talking League sort of mentioned that he might be dealing with a knee slash shoulder issue. I hadn't heard that, hadn't come across that, so that might be some sort of inside info from TK there. But I didn't really notice anything um, on watching the game on the weekend. Kind of, yeah, watched through um, hands across my face considering the scoreline. But, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure what's going on there. I I think Wayne obviously just prefers uh, the the experience of Finn Diesel and um, Kenny Bromwich for the moment. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Connolly back in the run-on side in the coming weeks. Yeah, I agree with your thoughts on Connolly there. I think he's been a really good find for the Dolphins this year from, you know, coming down. By the way, the Cowboys, how much second row depth did they have before they let a few guys go? Like, so they've got, they let him go. They let Tommy Gilbert go. Um, there's obviously like a few guys injured as well, but the Cowboys had this just absolutely loaded second row sort of full um, depth up there, but he's been a really good find for the Dolphins. I think he's been, he's been great this year. Hey. Oh, mate, how many back rowers, edge back rowers, do the Cowboys like having their systems? Because there's that um, the guy came off the bench on the weekend too, like and they've oh, got, Finiaki, yeah, yeah, and they've got Luki, they've got you know Luchi Lua, they've got Nanai, you know they let Gilbert go, they, like you know they, they've just got that, like they must have had them coming out their ears, crazy, yeah. Seriously. Next game on the slate there, Brian, was the Panthers versus the Knights. No injury concerns out of that game. So we might move forward to the Storm versus Manly Seagulls game. Injuries out of this one, Nick Meany with a leg concern. He's one that's fairly fantasy relevant, which will probably be worth speaking to a little bit more. I don't have too much more info apart from leg injury. And Aaron Penney with an ankle injury there. Do you want to give us Nick Meany a bit of an update there to kick off? Yeah, so I I didn't notice this. I didn't watch um, this game all that closely at the time, uh, but I did notice he came off early. I thought it was more like just looking at the 
the box score, I was like, oh, okay, he's just taking him off for a bit of a breather. But uh, he actually, I, I got a question on Patreon about it, so I went back and had a look. He does come off limping on his right leg. I looked at every play sort of leading up to that, and there was nothing obvious that I could see. There was actually quite a few of these kind of injuries this weekend where there was no obvious mechanism of injury. So, I mean, we haven't heard anything too crazy at the moment. Uh, we'll talk about some other guys at the moment, uh, sorry, in, in a moment, where like similar sort of thing happens, but now we've kind of heard of potentially serious injuries. So you'd hope that the Storm would have given you know us some sort of indication because the thing is like at this stage that could be a cramp for Nick Meany he could you know have just been struggling with cramps with no obvious sort of mechanism but then you've got the likes of Jordan Ricky who also didn't have an obvious mechanism and he's having scans on a suspected Liz Frank injury so yeah I didn't see anything obvious more often than not like Jordan Ricky is the exception to the rule here. Like more often than not, guys just come off with cramp or they've copped a knock or something like that. So the odds are in Nick Meany's favour, and there certainly wasn't anything obvious there. And then Aaron Panay with his ankle, it was a classic lateral ankle sprain. Although through contact, he copped a blow and it sort of turned his foot in. I and provided he has avoided a fracture, he shouldn't be out for you know like too long, two three weeks at most. Yeah, good summary, Brian. Broncos v Titans in the derby here. Sad to see the Broncos go down on this one. Big concern as well for the Bronx, Jordan Ricky. Looks like they're suspecting a Liz Frank injury there. And then other concerns for the Titans and probably the Queensland Maroons as well about David Fafita with an ankle concern. Do you want to give us the rundown of those two gents, Brian? Yeah, I think um, Jordan Ricky, as I said, like similar sort of situation to Meany. Like he just came off with about eight. 10 minutes to go, um, no, and, and was limping a little bit in the minutes leading up to that, similar to Meany, no obvious mechanism of injury there. He actually kind of chased through, once again went back and had a look, he chased through on a kick, like I was trying to trying to charge or, or put pressure on a kicker, and he just kind of tried to turn after he went through and just like quickly grabbed down at his, um, at his foot. So, yeah, it, it was a really strange one. He's apparently having scanned on, on a suspected Liz Frank injury. So, obviously, if there's any, like, even if it's a sprain, Liz Frank sprain, you're usually looking at somewhere in that three to six week range. Um, if it needs surgery, then, you know, we've spoken about it before, you're looking at at least 12 weeks season would be over. So I am heavily eyeing off Brendan Piercura this week as a downgrade. I think if uh, there's any sort of injury to Ricky's Liz Frank, I think I'm going to bring in Piercura over Val Tafare as my cheapy option. What do you think about that as a Broncos homer? I think Piercura has looked okay since he's come in. Yeah, he has. He's looked, he's looked pretty solid actually. I think, He's probably looked a bit more likely than even Kurt Capewell, who we know is missing for a few yep. more weeks too. So the security should be there, Brian. I like, I like the call. Yeah, cool. And then Fafida with his ankle. Um, yeah, there's been no reports of any you know major concerns here from that hip drop-ish tackle from Paddy Carrigan. I think, um, yeah, I, I just always get concerned about these because we've spoken about that many times where, you know, like you just can't tell the severity of these from from video in that sometimes guys can play out the game and he only had to play out a couple of minutes and uh, yeah, and you can still require surgery on those kind of things. So there's no guarantees here. Uh, it, like he could, he could be facing a significant time on the sideline, unfortunately, but my gut once again is saying that 
thankfully, Paddy Carrigan just landed on the ground before he landed on Fafita's ankle. So Fafita's ankle still got trapped, but he didn't kind of have that full weight of the body going down on it, uh, which, you know, that's where the NRL's drawing the line for hip drop tackles. And it does make a little bit of sense because the, the ground at least absorbs some of that force. So hopefully the trauma wasn't too much and like if he's named for this week I'm he's another one I'm eyeing off maybe a downgrade to Piakura and then an upgrade of someone else to Fafita because he just looked phenomenal on the weekend yeah he's had a really good season hasn't he and super coach wise he's been absolutely balling Rabdos versus Cowboys was the next one Brian so we've got two hamstring concerns here Jason Tamalolo looks like a minor strain that he's nursing whereas Reese Robson looks more like hamstring tightness what would you expect Tamalolo to miss time wise yeah, I think even with a minor, you're looking at two to four week return to play. So this week would be best case, but potentially, uh, yeah, potentially not until after the buy, which would be an absolute killer if anybody brought him in. I'm sure if anybody brought him in, they had enough time to sort of move him out um, because they were bringing him in sort of the weekend just gone. But yeah, any time over the next two to four, well, oh, sorry, one to three rounds now that he's already had a round off. Uh, I, like, yeah, I, I, he's just someone who, coming off the meniscus, I know I sung his praises last week, but now this hamstring kind of changes things a little bit in that, you know, the re-injury risk for me is quite high. I'd expect his performance to still be quite good when he returns, but coming off a meniscus issue and then like a hamstring strain, is it a compensation injury, that kind of thing? He's just someone who I'd avoid uh, and then Robson with the hamstring tightness. I mean, this is interesting. This is something, you know, once again, we talk about load management and all those kind of things in around Origin. The guy played 80 minutes on debut in the middle in Origin. Like, no surprises that he's then pulled up with hamstring tightness, sort of trying to back up four, five days later. So I think uh, Toddy Payton was sort of talking in the post-match presser about being like they have to be smart about guys over the next couple of weeks, I wonder, you know, does that extend to games as well? Like, obviously, it means trainings, and I think Reese Robson will be doing little to nothing this week to try and, you know, decrease that load. But I wonder whether Robson gets a bit of a breather this week, uh, potentially, although then he'll go straight into origin camp and the cows need wins. So this is the balance, right? This is the balance between, um, you know, injury risk versus performance versus all that kind of stuff. Uh, this is where, yeah, you wouldn't want to be a, uh, a an actual physio at an NRL club making these big decisions, hey? Yeah, it would be high pressure with those situations going on. I would be a little bit surprised if he does get the call-up for Game 3, Brian. I think there might be a lot of bloodletting in the New South Wales camp before <laughs> Game 3. I think it's going to be... Yeah, there's no one there that I would foresee as being a lock and load safe selection for this game. Um, and, and I guess you need to consider as well... You know, the selector's probably going to go at the top of who Freddie wants because they might have an eye on to the following series and things like that. So I think it's going to be a whole lot of whole lot of things at play there and, and who knows what that team's going to shape up like for Game 3 in Sydney. Lastly, Roosters versus Raiders. So a lot to get through here, Brian. I'm just going to list them off and we're going to have to um, rattle, rattle these through. So Josh Papali, hamstring strain. Um Angus Crichton has been reported as an MCL sprain. Egan Butcher concussion. Nat Butcher was a ankle impingement or Achilles aggravation type injury. Jake Turpin with a rib concern. Satili Tupanua looking like he's facing surgery for a bulging disc issue. And then I guess there's one more thing to mention as well with the JWH and James Tedesco head clash from that one as well, Brian. So 
I'll give you the floor here yeah. so you can get stuck into those injury concerns. Yeah, properly hamstring strain. Uh, yeah, once again, best case, two to four weeks. I'd be shocked if he's back next week. Um, it, there's a chance it's moderate too, so potentially it could be out for four to six weeks. So, yeah, we'll uh, by the time people listen to this, just pay attention to my page because hope the Raiders usually come out with an injury report when they release team lists on Tuesdays. Angus Crichton is a moderate MCL sprain. Uh, that's usually four to six weeks uh, sort of return to play. So, yeah, like, unfortunately, Unfortunately, I mean, once Crichton got named on the starting edge, I was quite interested in him as a, like, you know, I think he was mid 400Ks, you know, like looking good. Thankfully, I'd used up all my trades. Otherwise, I might have taken a cheeky uh, cheeky crack at him. But, yeah, he'll be out for four to six weeks. Egan Butcher still had concussion symptoms the, uh, today, day after the game. So he'll have eleven um, an 11-day stand down. The Nat Butcher thing, look, he's obviously dealing with an ongoing sort of impingement issue in the back of his ankle, sort of in around your Achilles there. Pretty common one, uh, just something he'll have to continue to manage throughout the rest of the season. So I assume he's a chance for this week, but if not, I'd assume I'd expect him to be back the week after the bye. Jake Turpin has been cleared of a rib fracture, um, so that sort of rules out him needing, you know, three to four weeks off straight off the bat. You still can have a super painful rib cartilage injury but usually guys are back in that sort of one to two weeks even with that um but the big thing obviously there is that he's he's going to be playing with pain uh getting painkilling injections those kind of things being a middle forward you probably expect his production to dip a little bit so i'd say turpin owners uh particularly particularly got a lot of questions i think he was a big nrl fantasy player um, I'd expect you to have his services this week, but I would be shocked if his output is all that great because he's just, yeah, he's going to be dealing with that rib concern. Once he gets back after the bye, I think uh, Brandon Smith got clearance from the specialist to return after the bye in round 20. So, yeah, there's some murking of the water there. So I think you probably hold on to Turpin this week, but then potentially after that it might be a sell. Tupanua with the acute disc injury and surgery. Yeah, look, he apparently just, like, presented with some neck, really ranked neck pain on Saturday night, the night before the game. So he'd been dealing with a corked quad during the week. And, yeah, just got this neck pain, and they've done some scans. And, uh, yeah, like, the, he's got an acute disc bulge there. Uh, look, I, I guess the biggest thing here is that Buzz has reported in the Daily Telly that he's going to require surgery and uh, his season will be over. That hasn't been confirmed yet. He's going to see the surgeon tomorrow. But, obviously, like, Buzz has probably got that info from someone at the club, you know, in around the medical staff, and the medical staff will have a fair idea. Had a few questions sort of about, you know, why can't they just manage this conservatively? Um, you know, like, and a lot of people who come and see myself and yourself, James, with disc bulges, I mean, I spend all day, every day telling people that disc bulges aren't the death sentence that, you know, people probably think they are or used to think they are. You, you can, you know, manage them conservatively. It's not something you always need surgery for. But there are also, like, not every disc bulge can also be managed conservatively, right? There are some that are that far gone, um, and depending on the actual symptoms, the function, all that kind of stuff. And I mean, especially at this professional sporting level where they may not want to, uh, yeah, go down the conservative path and lose, you know, two to three months and then need surgery anyway. Sometimes they take the calculated risk and they go, well, we're happy to just go with surgery 
um, as the as the option with more certainty, even though it's probably not something that I would suggest ninety nine percent of the general population do. Uh, like your experience with discs injuries, I'm sure you see it a lot. And would you kind of agree with that? That uh, yeah, like there are some that unfortunately do require surgery. Yeah, I think first of all, Brian, your natural history is massively in your favour with any disc injury. So whether you're talking disc bulge, whether you're talking disc protrusion, disc extrusion, or even, you know, in in some sort of literature you read, even sequestrations, like those really significant um, concerns that have the ability to resolve without surgical intervention. So I think that's probably an important point to make is that usually if you leave these things alone, your natural history is in your favour, but it really does matter on you know it depends on a variety of factors as to what what would need surgery versus not need surgery but for, for most of the stuff we see we probably i would probably see a population that has probably too much surgery i would say mm. um in in sometimes in, in particularly in people that you know may not be in the best sort of physical condition from a surgical optimization point of view with like you know big big health concerns on top of that stuff which makes you know everything a little bit murkier in terms of outcomes and you know going through those things getting through those things and where to next so yeah a lot of different factors there but you will probably see at the elite sporting level a more of a inclination towards um intervening yeah i would say yeah, definitely. And then the Teddy and JWH head clash, I think this was something that kind of went unnoticed uh, like by most people. But interestingly, like Jared kind of – that it was a pretty heavy head clash. And then the NRL were forced to come out and sort of defend it because Teddy got hit in the head, hopped up, and then was kind of running back behind the line. It was on the try line, and he seemed to stumble. Uh, he did seem to stumble, but by all accounts, they've said that he did. He tripped on the ref. Um, you couldn't really see from the telecast. I did go back and have a look. Um, you, yeah, you couldn't really see whether that was what happened or not. But I, like, I assume they're not gonna they're not gonna be okay with him staying out there after stumbling after a head clash like that. So uh, yeah, hopefully he's all good and no sort of you know delayed concussion symptoms which we know can be a risk with guys with uh, concussion history but yeah just i thought it was worth mentioning for sure very well summarized there brian we've got through a lot of content already so we've got to finish up with the round review and state of origin review we're going to get into the patron questions so we've got a fair few to get through tonight from a patron point of view so it's been busy over there on patreon.com forward slash nrl physio again that's the page you want to get these questions in and answered on the magic sponge podcast if you want more specific information relevant to your fantasy team then brian's a good person to go to for those reasons with the Tommy Trevojevic and Cleary, the conversation about the state of origin after the season is finished, but does this have to get a bit more serious? What are your thoughts around that, Brian? Uh, yeah, I think, look, like, there's no perfect time to have it because postseason, you've got guys who are playing through injuries sort of from mid, well, even sometimes early, but mid to late season, they're playing through injuries to get through to the off-season to have surgery. So I think you just, when we kind of got a taste of it in that COVID year, I think you're just going to have a lot of guys pull out because they need like a shoulder eco or a knee clean-up or, you know, something like that. And the club's like, no, I'm not waiting a month for you to get through Origin before we can do this surgery. You're getting it now so that you can be ready for round one next year. So, like, there's just no perfect time. My preference still is to have three standalone weekends. I just don't... I don't see how that's not where we're heading with it, is, is, is three standalone weekends. It's big enough to do that. I know... 
for whatever reason, the telecast doesn't quite get, you know, as many viewers on a Sunday night. I don't understand why. I still don't get that. But, um, yeah, it doesn't seem to. But, yeah, my preference still, and I think the best balance is to have, and that's three buys, you know, for, for teams. So if you don't have players involved in Origin, that's three weeks where they, you know, have a buy or have a rest. It'll be good for the comp in general because at the moment it just blows the comp apart a little bit. Like you, there are some arguments that, yes, like holding it postseason won't affect it as much, like the Tommy Turbo injury, you know, wouldn't happen till postseason and all that kind of stuff. But I just think Origin is a, it's a, that balance between Origin as a spectacle versus how much it you know, affects the comp because for me, if you have it postseason, I think the spectacle just wouldn't be there as much because you'd have big star guys dropping out and not playing because they need surgery heading into next year. I like I think we've spoken about it in the past and you're on a similar wavelength. I don't mind where Origin is at the moment and how it's sort of integrated into the season at the moment. It's it's a real challenge for the NRL because State of Origin is the pinnacle of the code, which is a bit backwards because the internationals get bumped to some other shitty window that no one really cares about. And it's just a bit backwards in the way that that sort of happens in comparison to any other sport. So it's a really tricky balance. I, I don't have too many problems with it. I think this conversation happens every year. It doesn't stand alone. doesn't go start of year, end of the year. Where do we do it? Um, I don't see a short-term scenario where that sort of changes from where it has been at the moment. I think some clubs are more affected than others, um, but then for the most part, the teams that are good have the most players that commit to Origin every year. You know, the Panthers have been a really good example of that in recent history. So I don't think it will change, and I don't mind it too much. I've sort of just made peace. This is where it's going to be, and that's just how it is. Um, so that that's probably my only final thoughts on that one, Brian. Question number two from Patreon is about Tamari Martin. So he's had a really extensive um, absence after his fibula fracture. It looks like it's about 11 weeks now. And on the Warriors website, they mentioned he's only in the early running phase. So usually, how long does it take to progress from there to playing NRL if he's in a running phase? Yeah, at least two to three weeks. Uh, like, this is a really interesting one, mate. And, I like, I've even sort of been asking around about this because, like, 11 weeks, we've had... I've charted like every fib- like fibula fracture since I started looking into this, which was what, 2017, so five, six years ago. There hasn't been one over eight weeks, like just a straight fib fracture, even complex ones. Now, this was supposed to be a fib, like a complex fib fracture, but they didn't mention the ones that have gone longer than that are when there's disruption to the syndesmosis as well. So the fibula makes up part of that high ankle as it gets down towards the top of the ankle there. Like... Tamari Martins did seem a bit higher up, sort of in that mid-shaft of the fib. So I don't really know what's happened here and why it's sort of now 11 weeks down the track and he's probably still got, you know, at least two to three weeks before he's back. Um, I did hear some rumours that they're looking at potentially bringing him back in round 19, which would be sort of this question was asked early last week. So I kind of put it in for the... um, for the podcast now. So, yeah, like I, I think they're aiming for that round 19 as an earliest stage, but that's, yeah, 13 weeks for a fib fracture. I mean, do you have any ideas there of things that you've seen in the past as to what, like, you know, what would happen there? I assume some sort of, you know, like rehab complication potentially. Yeah, I don't know. I guess the only other thing you're talking about is like any sort of hardware complication or yeah. post-surgical complication like infection or something like that. We haven't heard anything in that space, but it would make me think, has there been a surgical complication along there or, you know, non-union complication? Oh, 
it's it's very uncommon for a fibula fracture to have non-union, by the way. But yeah, I don't I don't really know why that would be. To be honest, Brian, I haven't really got any other good ideas apart from um, you know the weird wonderful thing. You know, was there you know infection? Was it non-union? Was it you know post post surgical DVT? You know, you're thinking a bit sort of left field there, I suppose. Um, because in a guy who's young, fit, and well, who doesn't have circulatory concerns, then you wouldn't think that'd be an issue. But anyway, I'm, I'm not really too sure. I'm sort of just spitballing and just throwing out random ideas there, just for the sake of it, to be honest. Yeah, no, I think it's a it's a weird situation. So look, it's sounding like there's some chance for round 19, but yeah, a bit of a bit of a mystery. Very true. Question number three is from a draft perspective. So the patrons. Questions come in and said, I'm considering buying low on the Trell Mitchell in draft format. So my team's locked into the finals, but the issue I've got is I've just lost Tom Trevojevic to season-ending injury. I do have Reese Walsh as well. Jeez, good, pretty, pretty good team there you're cooking on. Um, <laughs> but Reese Walsh doesn't play round 25, so I'm without a fullback if I make the grand final. I know this is probably a risky way of thinking, but if I offered Reese Walsh for Latrell Mitchell, which way would you go if you're in that situation? Yeah, so this question was asked prior to the whole Reese Walsh, you know, swearing, you know, thing, which is going to obviously go off tomorrow night, which is a whole other thing. But I think if we talk about it, I, I know my answer, and I've said it a million times in the past, is like I'm in it to win it, right? Like if I'm playing a, a draft comp, I love draft questions. Hit me with draft questions anytime. I know you're the same, James. Like I'm in it to win it. So if Reese Walsh isn't available for my grand final, I wouldn't have drafted Reese Walsh. Uh, I would have had like he would have had to have dropped so far. I can't believe this guy has Turbo and Walsh. By the way, like that is ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, so I would a hundred percent make the trade of Walsh to um, Walsh to Latrell in a heartbeat. I think the hardest thing is now is that since this guy asked this question, now you've we've got this Reese Walsh. You know, potentially missing. I think I've heard around the traps that the NRL is angling for a three-week suspension for Walsh. Which, yeah, that's that's pretty. Yeah, like obviously, I mean, we've spoken about uh, you know off air, sort of. You know, you you never want people talking to the referee like that. Obviously, I mean, Walsh is obviously saying that he uh, said it to Paddy Carrigan, which I think there is some credence to. I know he was facing the ref at the time, but. He did seem to, Paddy Carrigan seemed to be giving him a bit of a telling. So, I mean, there's problems with talking to Paddy Carrigan that way for sure. But, uh, yeah, look, I, like I would do that trade in a heartbeat. Uh, what, what are your thoughts, mate, being a draft expert like myself? Straight to Luttrell Mitchell for anything you can get. <laughs> and I'd be, I'd be selling the farm. I'd be selling Luttrell Mitchell's farm. I'd be selling um, your father's farm up at Sexton as yeah. well, Brian, to get Luttrell Mitchell in my team, to be brutally honest. Yeah, I love it, mate. I love it. And then we'll just quickly mention, because we both went on a rant about it. Any like I don't understand people hating on the likes of Jerome Luai and Reese Walsh in terms of what they bring to the game. Like I understand they can frustrate you and, and, and stuff like that, And but like you need heels in the game. You need people who are the – like, movies are so good because you have good and evil, right? Like, you have you have those people. You need you need those heels in the game to stir up stuff. Like, I think the way I put it is, like, I don't want to watch State of Origin with 13 Daily Cherry Evanses in the lead-up or on the field. Like, you want 
We want some fire. I want some fire. I want some brimstone. So, obviously, like if Walsh has stepped outside his bounds here, probably needs to be pulled back in the line. I think whether he's talking to the ref or whether he's talking to Pat Carrigan, he probably needs to be pulled in the line either way because you can't be talking to either of those people like that. But, yeah, I, I, me personally, I love the characters. I, I Like, I love it. I, I'm sure you're the same. Yeah, I'm here for the villains, Brian. Like, I think I've always said to you, you know, it doesn't matter what sport you're watching, when you have good villains who play the code well but they're potentially a little bit abrasive and they don't sort of fit the way you want to do things and the way you sort of carry on, I've always, to use like a sort of a villain term, been a big Nick Kyrgios fan. I'm a massive about what he's what he's about and what he brings to the game. And, and I think similar to Reese Walsh and Jerome Luai, I love watching those two guys lock horns in a state of origin game. I think that's good for the sport. It's good for the niggle. It's good for theatre. It's good for the back and forth. You know, there's the Selwood Cobo stuff and Jerome Luai. And then, you know, I thought even Jerome Luai, when he posted that thing on social media about like, you know, sucked in for everyone having to work the next day after I've just played origin, I was like, I thought that was pretty funny. I didn't think there was like too many disrespectful levels to that. I think if you've got that sort of like level of dark humour, then I think there's a, that's, that's a pretty funny thing to say and, and publicly broadcast there because he's bang on. Like this guy's a worldie. He's doing the thing that we would give our left arm to do for a living and he's doing it well. And he's he's a big, big-time player. He's, he's a very good player. I have a lot of respect for the way he plays because I, I like it. I like the fact that he goes out and, and there's niggle there and there's there's chat there, there's chirp there. It makes for everything to be a better theatre. I'm a huge fan of it. Reese has probably laid up a little bit in the, in the last few weeks just <laughs> yeah. on the back of some some pretty good games and you know some 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 quite big performances for Queensland as well. But you know what he's what he's got to realise very quickly is that number one jersey doesn't belong to him forever. Um, Kalen Ponga. He might not make himself available for game three this year, but like Callum Ponga found out this year, you're only you're only there if you if you're doing the business. So Reese is gonna be pretty careful about, you know, the um especially the judiciary side of things. I think this is this is his third or fourth thing he's been cited for this year as well. Yeah, I'd say so there's so. a little there's a, there's a little bit of a pattern there. Like I think he's only copped I think he copped a one match ban for a shoulder charge, but then he's had fines for all the other things. So he's got to be a little bit, a little bit careful about going across the line there. On the situation that happened with him and what was said or not said allegedly, it's so hard for us to make a judgment based on like a piece of um, footage that's cut up by Fox Sports because they're going to immediately that whichever way you want. People that hate Rich Walsh are going to say, fuck him, suspend him for this many weeks. People love him, they're going to be like, nah, I didn't say it to him, blah, blah, blah. You're never going to get the, you know, exactly what happened there. And it's probably going to come down to a he said, she said sort of situation where it's, you know, the ref versus Reese, the Reese versus the ref, and then there might be other players as part of that as well. There's probably going to be audio. Who knows what was actually said and done there. I think if he did say what's been reported to be said, I I don't I don't want someone like that to miss too much footy. I'd be happy with him having a big old fine, and I would even be happy, like I said to you off air, Brian, of, well, guess what, Reese? Like, you're going to do... 12 weeks next year where you ref four consecutive games of junior footy at your local club at Narang Roosters in the Gold Coast. That's what, that's what you're going to give back to the community. You, there needs to be a bit more community focus there with these punishments, in my opinion, as opposed to I missing totally games of NRL. Totally agree with that. I think like we talk yeah. about like how money can be better used, you know, for grassroots and all that kind of stuff. Like, 
Like, for every dollar, like, and I'm sure, like, there's probably people who work in the grassroots of footy listening to me saying this, going, this guy has no idea. But I just think, like, what those boys can do getting back in and around their clubs, and I know a lot of guys do, but, like, make part of these punishments. And I don't even care if it's, like, high tackles or whatever. Like, guys who were out for three, four weeks because of a high tackle, get them, okay, you've got to go back to grassroots footy, you know, and, and as you said, ref some games or coach a, coach a weekend or like something like that. Like, just get that stuff happening a lot more. I just think that that kind of stuff should definitely be in the game. Yeah, I remember Gus Gould made Michael Jennings do that many, many years ago for the Panthers when he uh, – did Rock Out hung over to a training session yeah, or something yeah. like that? I can't remember what happened. There was something that happened. And I remember Michael Jennings had to front up to that Friday night game where he was sat out and he had to give out free tickets to um, all the the like the, the juniors that were watching the game um, on the Friday night. So like, I thought, yeah, good. Like that's that's a good thing for people to, to, have, to, to have to do, which gives far more back to the community in the rugby league fraternity as opposed to – one of their favourite players missing games of footy. It's bad for broadcast. It's bad for everything else associated with it. Uh, with corporate money, I think there's a, there's a better way of doing it as opposed to suspending people and sitting people down. That'd be my take on it as well. Yeah, yeah, I like it, mate. You bang on as usual. Well, yeah. What's new? Um, <laughs> we'll keep moving um, to the fourth question now. So, do we put Tommy Turbo in the injury prone category now? We sort of mentioned this a little bit earlier, Brian. Where do you sit at the moment with the injury prone? Category on Tom Trevojevic. Yeah, I almost took it out, uh, the question, because I think we mostly brushed over it. My main take is that I think by now you can, like like I've said, I think I said at the start of the year that he is prone to hamstring injuries, and I think now you can say he's prone to pec injuries as well, But I, like and definitely prone to those two groups of injuries. But I wouldn't say now, you know, if he dislocates a shoulder or, you know, does an ACL or something like that, like I just don't. I, my thing is, is proneness covers like the entire sort of body and how risky they are to those kind of injuries. I think definitely moving forward, he still has that hamstring injury risk. But as I said, now that he's got two surgically repaired pecs, I actually feel pretty good about his pecs. So I think it's still just the hamstrings that you got to worry about. Good point, Brian. I Where would I sit with that? Um, I think the bigger issue there is Seabold over the top of it. I don't think I'm going <laughs> to comment one way or the other about the injury. That's a shock. That's a shock to I, me, James. I tend to think that Seabs could implode that whole club. <laughs> so that might be the biggest thing that curtails Tom's output on the footy field, in my opinion. Oh, Question number five, Rooster's injury report is that Sammy Walker's returned to full training. So that's good news for Sammy Walker. Does this mean that he could be back anytime now or are we expecting him to return after the bye, which I can't remember off the top of my head when the Roosters have the bye. Let me just refer to the draw Next week. here. Next week. Yeah, around Is it? Okay, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, like he, he could absolutely be – if he's back at full training, I mean, I'd be surprised if they played him this week because by what it sounded like, he had some fair issues, you know, with – and it's kind of lingered around and we spoke about how wide – the you know the the range of outcomes is for him here. There's that risk of um, you know ACL rupture there as well with a partial tear. So I would be surprised if they played him this week because of those sort of things hanging over the head. Even if he does play this week, like I'd be real, I'd be more. It's another one of those ones I want him to miss this week. If I'm a draft owner, if I'm someone who's looking at him for classic, those kind of things, as much as I'm sure you'd love his score this week for his like prospects for the rest of the season, for me, 
I would want him to miss this week, have the buy off, and then return in round twenty one or twenty. Sorry, that's what I would want him to do. So even if he's named, I, I feel less good about him if he's named this week. Is the way I would put it. Which I know that's probably the opposite to what a lot of people are. Like if you're a draft owner or something like that, you're like, oh my god, he's named this week. How good he's doing really well. But I would be really concerned about that, considering like two weeks ago he was in a knee brace and apparently you know still suffering from some issues. So, yeah, my gut probably still says round 20 as his return date or potentially round 19 through New South Wales Cup if um, if they've got a game then. But, uh, yeah, if he's named this week, I'm not all that much about it. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I'd be the same in, in terms of what I'd be inclined to be there, Brian. I think from a draft perspective, probably wouldn't be someone I'd be looking to trade into my team, I don't think. I. I just don't have a really good gut feeling that he'll return to, um, you know, his best. I think the Roosters are a bit of a mess this year, aren't they? I think the whole the whole situation there, the injuries are stacking up. I think you just write off season twenty twenty three for the for the Roosters and look back to bigger and better things next year would be my my call on the there. Would you be looking at things? Draft wise for Sam Walker enthusiasts? Nah, I'm like I dropped him in our league, however long ago, and I'm not looking to pick him back up. Very good, Brian. Very last question. Any update on the news regarding Happy Coruscant? The patron here was considering Jake Simkin as a round 19 hooker and a final sort of cash generator, but he'll need a few good games to get there. How are things going with Happy Coruscant? Yeah, kind of best case you're looking at, like very, very best case round 21, but it's probably more likely round 22, round 23. So uh, what are we now? So we're around 18, so they'll get 18, 19, 20, probably 21. So probably have at least... Well, definitely three price rises and potentially four to five. So if that's enough for you, um, then, yeah, I, I'd be banking on probably my gut says four more price rises is where I'm at with him. So, yeah, look, I, like, I, I don't think it's worth two trades like because I have very little trades. <laughs> I have so few trades, although not as few as you, as we'll talk about in a second. But, uh, yeah, it's um, – yeah, like I, I just don't think – for me, where I'm at, it's not worth two trades. But if you can do the calculations and figure out, you know, four price rises, what that'll get you, and if that's worth it to you, then go for it. Uh, I'm sure you, uh, with your trade situation, James, you'd probably be pretty similar. Well, I have very few left, Brian. Thanks for throwing me on the bus there before I was going to get to it. But um, I probably wouldn't be going that way either, would be Michael. Yep, I like it. So on that note, mate, tell me how you are going to get through the rest of the season with your horrible team and only seven trades left? Yes. They're <laughs> two very good questions that I don't have a very good answer for, to be honest. <laughs> so I, I think this week's just gone. I was sitting all right. I sort of clawed my way back to – I was in the mid threes. I was like 30, 35 or 3,600, and then I'm down to um, the early eights now. So I had um, 1,017 this week, so I had a stinker this week. So it's really just – derailed my season massively. I captain Cody Walker, which let me down. I, Ooh, I could yeah. have looped Clint Gutherson, but I obviously had Cleary and Nico at seven positions. So I was already copping the AE. So I thought, oh, well, that'll leave me one short. And then unfortunately Tino was um, someone I just didn't have an eye on with a late withdrawal. So I was one short anyway. So I probably should have just ch- um, cho- chosen the loop there and gone about my business that way. So because like you said before, I have so few trades left, I only have seven left. So 
I'm holding out this week. I'm not in too bad a shape this week from what I can ascertain. So hopefully I'll just get my captain choice right and I can sort of start getting back in the points and um, reversing the slide down the rankings there, Brian. So, yeah, I sort of clawed my way back reasonably well. But, yeah, this week, um, like, like you see in any sort of super coach format, one good week can be a make or break. You had a very good week this week, to your credit, Brian. What did you score and what are your plans for the weeks coming Mate, the better bloke again, as per you know, as per usual, back to regular scheduling. Um, and I think it's mainly because I brought in SJ. Like you know, you do the heart pick and you get the boy in, and oh man, it was so good when he scored that try and you messaged me. I was just like, this is the greatest feeling ever. Like watching S, I've forgotten what it's like. You know, not only like watching SJ, but then owning him in Supercoach at the same time and him just being a gun. It's so good. It's oh just takes me back. Takes me back to those days. So I got one, two, six, seven. I've moved in the top thousand for the first time. I looped SJ because I had seventeen, so I kinda had the free loop. So I just banked those points. Um I also brought in Walsh this week, which is looking like an absolute yeah, cluster fuck because he could be, you know, suspended for three weeks. Uh, so I don't really know what I'm going to do there. I may have to get Walsh straight back out if he's, you know, if he's suspended for it. Because I literally brought him in. Uh, he had a lowish break even this week, but I saw I was choosing between him and Brimson uh, on the Sunday, and I saw the effort that my wonderful Dolphins put up on the Saturday, and I saw that the Bronx had the Dolphins this weekend, and I'm like, Reese Walsh is. The, the most home run captaincy option of all time if the Dolphins are going to keep putting up that effort. So that made the decision for me, but now he might miss the Dolphins game, which would be an absolute dagger. So I think my only locked-in trade at the moment is Schuster, possibly for Pierre Cura, if, um, if that news of the Liz Frank injury for Ricky comes out. And then, yeah, if Walsh is suspended... I'll, like, I also have Gutho, so I'd have no fullback this week, and I still have freaking um, Sonny Luke at my reserve hooker. So, I, like, I think either what I do is trade out Walsh or I'd get rid of Sonny Luke for, like, a Reed Marnie or something like that are probably my two options. Uh, so, yeah, what like, what... I mean, once again, I, I know I uh, have been putting putting the wool over your eyes the last few weeks, but what do you feel better about there? I've just brought in Walsh. Would you be against trading Walsh straight back out? Let's say, theoretically, he has a three-week suspension. So that'll mean next week, Origin, and then round 20 as well. Do you think it's worth holding Walsh in that case, or would you just look to get rid of the auto-emergency, you know, shithouse Sonny Luke? Yeah, well, I traded in AJ Brinson because the Titans play out the rest of the year from now, and their draw isn't too bad. So they get the Raiders, they get the Dolphins, Eels, Roosters, Cowboys, Warriors, Sharks, Panthers, Storm, Bulldogs in the year. Um, it's a really tricky one because I obviously traded AJ Brimson in before the head coaching news just came out of nowhere and yeah. that blew up. So it's a bit of a risk to go that way because I think the Titans could um, book an early trip to Bali if they're not in the contention for the top eight. And AJ Brimson has had a couple of injuries this year. She's pretty attractively priced. Um, obviously, the fact that him and Caelan Pong can interchange for the six um, and fullback spot was a reason why I went that way as well, given I'm low on trades. So my 
my lean would be to go AJ Brimson if it was me, Brian. But again, I'm saying that as an AJ Brimson owner, so I'm probably a little bit loaded there already before I give you that answer. Yeah, no, I, I was really close, so it might cost me a trade, um, you know, which I don't have many left. I think I've got 11 trades left, so a few more than yourself. But, uh, yeah, like my side's pretty set. I, like my inkling, what I really want to do is maybe go Schuster down to Piakura and then someone up to Dave for feeder just because I think now I'd be surprised if he rests after the third origin with where the Titans are. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting week, I think, where Walsh goes tomorrow night will probably, yeah, will push me either way. But, yeah, apart from that, I think that's a wrap. I think we did pretty well. We had a lot to get through tonight. We waffled like we usually do, but not too bad, mate. Uh, Yeah, back to usual a full round of NRL footy this weekend, which will be good. We'll have our full sides available for the first time in what seems like a long time, apart from the Eels, obviously. But, uh, yeah, this will be this will be where, I think, um, super coach-wise, you know, when you've got your full squad, this is where it gets really interesting, where, you know, captaincy options are big and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully you can get back in the, in the good bloke, you know, awards and actually start coming, coming back over the top of me in terms of scoring, hey? No excuses for me now, Ryan, that I don't have work to contend with until January oh, either. So don't remind me. I, I, have, I have a fair bit of time that I can allocate to optimising my fantasy squad <laughs> as opposed to being on holiday in Hamilton Island and enjoying the local produce that has to offer up there. I love it, mate. Well, hopefully, I mean, we've spoken about it enough, but once I move into this new house, I might have a bit of a, a designated man cave office uh, to potentially get some video stuff going. We've talked yes. about it, you know, now we're getting talking. up on YouTube now we're and all that kind of stuff. So I don't think it'll be next weekend because I'm actually moving next weekend. But, uh, yeah, hopefully, if there's anybody out there who knows how to do video podcasts and make that an easy thing because I have done little to no research into that, Hit my DMs because we have no idea and we're not all that technologically advanced. If you want to see our beautiful faces on the screen, how exciting. All feedback appreciated for sure. (laughs) Awesome, guys. All right. Uh, Yeah, as always, you know, if you like us, recommend us to a friend. Give us a review. Really appreciate it. Um, More info like this, patreon.com slash general physio and up the mighty, mighty Redcliffe Dolphins. Suspected broken left fibula. Suffering syndesmosis. After that stem cell injury that he's come back from. That's about it, mate.